The Mumbrella Awards is the one night of the year you can't afford to miss. It's Australia and New Zealand's most prestigious awards night for media and marketing. First entries close next Friday on 21st of April. Don't risk incurring the $100 late fee. Get your entry today by going to mumbrella.com.au forward slash Mumbrella Awards. Founder Ted Horton is launching a new growth and performance tech consultancy, BRX, alongside former Big Red CEO Bridget Cleary and Australia's latest pitcher palooza. Why are marketers taking a close look at their partnerships in the face of an economic downturn? All that before Clemenger Bibido's CEO, Danny Bassel, joins the podcast to talk about the new era she's shaping at one of Australia's most historic advertising agencies. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Callum Jasmine, and joining me for the news chat today is the esteemed editorial director at Mumbrella, Damien Francis. Thank you, Callum. I'm not even going to make a joke about your name today, but I'll tell you what, it was so good to have your uncle read out uh, the the advert today for Mumbrella 360. That's brilliant. brilliant yeah, stuff. well, you know, sometimes you've got to call home and call in a favour. We've uh, kind of exhausted all the possibilities here at Mumbrella. I, so we need to change it up. I loved how he was actually wearing a kilt yeah. on the video call. That was impressive stuff. Yeah. Um, luckily, we didn't see what was under the hood, but... Uh, <laughs> Hopefully you're not wearing a kilt today. And our, um, our our producer and journalist Kalila Welch is also here. Hey, Kale. Hello. Glad to be here. Glad we finally got it up and running. Also Glad not wearing fun. a kilt. Also, yes. yes. <laughs> um, Damo, before we get into today's news, we had a an, another announcement for Mumbrella 360. This morning, we're going to be joined by Gary V himself, Gary Vaynerchuk. We will be, absolutely. Uh, virtually, uh, he'll be joining us, but he'll be joining us uh, for a live Q&A with the audience. So this is one of those brilliant ones where, number one, you've got uh, one of the biggest people in the advertising industry, and number two, we don't actually have to do very much prep for this because the audience uh, will hopefully come with their question. Like, who wouldn't <laughs> want to put a question to, to Gary V himself? So... Opportunities there at Mumbrella 360. Grab your tickets, come along, and come with your your burning questions uh, for for Gary. I uh, I saw Gary V at the uh, the Palais at Cannes last year on stage in person alongside Paris Hilton. That was in the uh, the height of uh, of the metaverse. Well, we are at the NF. Hilton Hotel as yeah. well, so you know it's it's similar. K Dog, what would you ask Gary V if you had a uh, if you had the floor and the mic was at your mouth. <laughs> Maybe I would ask him about why the metaverse didn't take off like he said it would. Yeah. Why did you lie, Gary? Why did you lie? <laughs> Following that, we'll have Mark Zuckerberg and you can ask exactly the same question. I think there's a few people who could ask that question. <laughs> I think you're right. All right, team, let's crack into our first topic. Four years after exiting as Big Red CEO, Bridget Cleary is once again working alongside the agency's founder, Ted Horton, launching a new growth and performance tech consultancy called BRX. The agency, while still in its beta phase, is initially set to focus on artificial intelligence services, having already commenced work with some existing Big Red clients. This was an interesting one, Cal. It's not necessarily part of Big Red, as I understand. So I just want to read out what Cleary said 
in the article that you published uh, this morning, Wednesday morning. And the quote is, uh, Ted Horton and I have always remained good friends. And last year, he asked me to come and launch a new venture for him. And we settled on BRX. So how does this fit in with Big Red? And what's the business model here? Yeah, so to be clear, and this was made clear to me, it isn't a part of a department of or a subsection of Big Red of sorts. It's a it's a distinct business that will sit alongside Big Red, as I understand it, um, but also working very closely with its existing client set, and also I guess expanding into into some new areas there. But it's also um, it's it's it shares DNA of sorts with Big Red because um, I guess the way it was described to me, and this is all keeping in mind that as we said there, it's in its beta form. It's not been rolled out to market yet of sorts. They are doing some some work right now, but um, it's a dedicated focus to, I guess, based around clients' commercial success by working better, faster, and smarter, which is the ethos of Big Red. Um, but Bridget described it as competing. Well, it will look to complete, compete with the likes of Deloitte Digital, um, and Accenture Song, we're very familiar with those names, um, with extended capabilities that unlock the promise of technology and data enablement for all aspects of the CMO or CCO's challenge, that being customer, not, not creative. Bridget has spent the last couple of years at Capgemini at both RXP and, and the works. Um, so she said, that the last few years have expanded her skill set and she's excited to apply that to this new venture. It was interesting speaking to to Bridget this morning. I think they are looking to sort of dispel maybe the sentiment that has been left behind at Big Red or the, the market perception of Big Red, which has been so closely associated with Coles for the last decade or so, of course, around, you know, the, the, the down, down kind of building that, that a lot of that work around what big red do so well, which is that retail work. Well, they've got a history for it. Haven't they? They've got deep history. Ted is uh, notoriously trade media shy. That's probably the wrong word for it in that he just doesn't really speak to trade media very often. He lets the agencies work, uh, do the talk. But as you say, Carl, I think for so long, uh, the first association with Big Red has been for for the Coles down-down uh, work uh, in particular. So this is an interesting one, in, in, but it kind of seems a little bit all-encompassing in that tech sense in that a lot of agencies are talking about that area uh, and the gamut of opportunity there, but not necessarily honing in uh, too much on one particular area or, or subset. What got me really interested was the the beta stage talk as well. Hey, now that you've kind of put the story out there, it's very much more in market than what it was before. I mean, what does that exactly mean to be in beta stage? And do you have any idea of when this thing gets into to full swing? Like what are the next yeah. steps? So I, I, I guess the, the plan was, I think, to go to market in July um, because right now, and I think, you know, at the, at the top you mentioned there, growth and performance tech consultancy. There's still still ironing out the details of, you know, what exactly this business will be. Um, so right now, 
Bridget Bridget told me that they're um, working with a major advertiser this week, completing an AI photography shoot, um, rapidly increasing speed with true-to-life outcomes that can work across multiple segments. And also working with another company um, said they're auditing how they connect with their customers across their life cycle um, so that we can recast it better to meet their business goals and deliver on their customer vision. So a little bit varied there. Um, and the I guess the definition of beta um, was being that they're still in the test and learn and adapt stage of the business. Which uh, could go on for quite some time when we're talking about AI. When you said AI photo shoot, I just had this uh, kind of image in my head of someone sitting in front of a computer screen on Dali, just like typing in something very specific. That could be that, it. That could be it. <laughs> I doubt it, but <laughs> I, 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 I doubt it too. I hope not. <laughs> so, Damo, I, I guess on that, we are getting a lot of pictures at the moment on AI as a general topic. Um, you know, we spoke about this on the podcast a few weeks ago when I was over in LA for Adobe. Um, was very much the focus. We also wrote for our, our weekend mumbo the other week about, um, I guess, just the wave of of AI and Gen AI tech that's being um, rolled into market at the moment. It's not a new thing, and you know, it's pretty clear that these companies they're not just rolling it out now across their suites and products it's more that it's coming into the public eye now but do you think we're all jumping on the bandwagon a little bit here demo or is it just the amount maybe from our perspective that we're seeing pitched to us i think it's probably the amount that we're seeing pitched to us uh, frankly but i also think there's a very strong reason why a lot of agencies where possible would look to explore in its infancy and you still got to say it's it's in its infancy somewhat uh, what the opportunities are for for brands and, and marketing uh, you got to start somewhere you, you you can't just automatically switch it on in a few years time when it's mainstream and the functionality is all there uh, and expect to to hit the ground running you've got to kind of get on that journey from the start where possible so what i would uh, suggesting what I've been hearing in market, and I'm sure it's the same for you too, Cal. Is a lot of people, a lot of agencies are saying that they they've got people on it, learning, testing. A lot of marketers saying that they're interested in it and trying to figure out what can be done with it, but very few people saying that it's actually truly useful uh, at the moment. But that will come. You know, we've just got to to GPT four stage. We're looking at uh, some other options that, that you've, um, you know, reported on as well in, in terms of functionality and uh, quality uh, as well uh, in outcome. So I'd suggest that if an agency or brand isn't already exploring, they're behind the eight ball. But I don't think we're, we're looking at uh, an agency coming out anytime soon saying, here is our hero campaign of the year and it's completely done using two people and AI technology. Well, there was, interestingly, I've been seeing this KitKat ad about at the moment, which I think was created by Wonderman Thompson and it's been created by AI. You've, you've seen this one, right, Kalila? Yeah, I have seen this one. Um, we're actually keeping an eye out. It's going to be in tomorrow's campaign review oh, on the side. Good plug. Yeah, um, I know it is interesting. Uh, there was some some varied takes, I think, from some of the some of yeah. the creatives that had a look at that one. I mean, they were they were kind of um, for those that have not seen it. It was 
was almost tongue in cheek. It was like, oh, we're giving our staff the day off. Maybe that's a, it's so we've created this ad with AI, but maybe it's a bit of a dip the toes in the pool type type situation there. Yeah, and you'll get a lot of that at, at the starting phase, a little bit of tongue in cheek, a little bit of, yeah, dipping the toes in, as you say. Until next thing you know, we're all living in a simulation. Well, we've been researching quite heavily how we can replace you with AI, Cal, <laughs> and I can confirm we are 90% there. All right, next up, what's going on with Australia's media picture palooza? In the first few months of 2023, Atland has witnessed what feels like an unprecedented influx of media pitches with Catch, Reese, Australian Retirement Trust, Cravable Brands and Hest having all shifted media agencies, while Nestle, Mitsubishi, Priceline, BWM, Victoria University, SBS, 40 Wings, Momentum Energy, and Unilever, there are more in there. Can you repeat all those clients are again? all still open. I'm not going to go through them again. It's it's clear, I guess, by reading into this, and um, I guess the reason we're talking about this demo is sort of a follow-up to our weekend mumbo. The economic conditions at the moment are prompting quite a bit of movement, or at least it's prompting marketers to consider their options at the moment as we sort of approach the the end of the the financial year yeah look absolutely and first of all i'd suggest if anyone hasn't read the weekend mumbo from the saturday just gone that was the easter saturday uh, please do give that one a look it's a pretty detailed look at the situation as it stands but Look, unsurprising that this has come into play at the moment because there are two main factors, I guess. Number one, we've had a significant amount of staff change and there's that old adage, which, you know, frankly, I'm pretty sick and tired of hearing. I think the majority of the industry is that when the CMO shifts, so does the agency, which is just such a lazy way of thinking about things. And A, it's not the case all the time. But B, I would suggest that if CMO is just coming in and goes, well, the first thing I've got to do is just change the roster because I'm the CMO now, then that's just fundamentally flawed from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, but also, as you said, the economic situation uh, at the moment, one of the really interesting bits that your piece uncovered, Cal, and I believe it was Darren Woolley who who said this, and it was sort of echoed by uh, OMD, uh, OMGs, uh, Peter Horgan uh, as well was that if if marketers are, are just looking for a a, a bit of a, a discount essentially on services or to find a, a cheaper rate now is not the time to do it. It's not going to necessarily get you a, a better deal, uh, and any sort of momentum you've got on work at the moment automatically gets eradicated when you go out to pitch, even if you go with the same uh, set of agencies after that. The time and money you've wasted. 100%. Yeah. The time and money, the momentum you've got uh, changes. And in a situation like this where you've got a finite opportunity to get ahead of the game, to really plant your brand in market uh, and make uh, opportunity of a challenged environment, you can't afford to waste months of it going out to pitch, especially if it's just a price-driven pitch. But I'm assuming you've probably heard a, heard a bit of feedback since that piece. It's never a, a quiet piece, the weekend mumbo. <laughs> it, it, it's funny, this this sort of concept of the, the, the price pitch, as Peter Horgan said, 
um, in, in the piece, it, it turns into a bit of a, a line contest or who can, you know, who can distort the spreadsheet it's to the that, best of their abilities. hundred percent. It, it's that, you know, that cliched almost suggestion that you, you, an agency brings out the big guns for the pitch and the marketer gets wowed by that. And then the second it's all over a couple of months later, when the dust settles, you realize that the people in front of you on your, uh, on your work, uh, the junior have, burgers have just, of the agency. Yeah. And they've just sold you up a river. So it, it turns out to be a bit of a squeeze, but, um, I, I do think there were, there were some interesting perspectives in there, um, from, from Wooly and from table turns, Jen Davidson, and also from, from Steve Sinner. So, um, if you, if you do want to, I guess, delve into that a bit further, you can head to our website, um, where unfortunately you'd have to seek out my ugly mug and click on the link. It's not that hard to do. I mean, <laughs> and, and your mug is pretty big. <laughs> out of all of that, Cal, the, the biggest question I have is I'm not sure we're anywhere near the end of this economic situation. We're probably closer to the beginning than we are to the end, even though, as you said, like we've had our first um, month of rate stabilization, which again, to be fair though, is only one indicator of where we sit uh, economically. There's probably going to be more challenging times ahead and we're only in April. Is there an expectation in market that we're going to see yet more pitches go to market uh, at the moment or are we looking maybe at a, a bit of stabilization for the next few months? Look, I think judging by the people I've spoken to, the conversations I've been having, I I think the more important factor, which is what we've seen so far, is the fact that a lot of these these accounts that have been settled have actually moved. Uh, the last few years, I mean, I can't think of that many major, major accounts, maybe something like IAG, which moved to initiative. Um but a lot has generally held steady and that's, you know, what we find that quite often there were increased amounts of trust placed in relationships over the last few years. So either what we're getting now is we're getting marketers who are thinking, you know, as we mentioned there, I need to save a few bucks or maybe move a few things around. Or what we're getting is, as, as Jen Davidson said, is you've now got a bit more of a stable situation and marketers of maybe being a little bit bolder with their choices and maybe thinking, you know, I'll take, take a, um, you know, take a shot with as, um, catch moved their media to, to match and wood or, you know, Reese moved to, to hatched or, um, craveable brands has moved to, to atomic two, one, two. So a, a lot of these indie or more challenger type indie brands are, are, are often having a, a bit of success at the moment. And I think, it's going to be really challenging for a lot of these agencies that are having to, I guess, defend a lot of their accounts right now because, yes, things are a bit more settled um, from, a, from a staffing perspective. Just when we have got settled, agency staff are going to be in for a really tough year. Um, so, yeah, you kind of just think where's it all going to land, but you also hope at the same time that it doesn't get out of hand. Yeah, it's like a, a bit of a merry-go-round, isn't it? Because I, I can feel the headlines coming about uh, 
you know, the 14 hour work days and the, the Christmas pitches towards the end of the year and, and things like that. But uh, to your point on indies, for those big enough with senior enough staff to service a medium to large client, bit of a uh, crest of a wave for them at, at the moment. There's a bit of opportunity out there in marketing. We've seen some of the moves uh, and perhaps we might see even more down the track as well. So this could be, 23 could be looked back on as uh, the, the year of the emergence of, of some of these indies into big, genuinely big agencies. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point to finish on there, Damo. Coming up after the break, Cleminger BBDO's new national CEO, Danny Bassel. Danny Bassel, new CEO at Cleminger BBDO Australia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, I should say thanks for having me as we're recording in your lovely, uh, what area is this? Watson's Bay? No. <laughs> Miller's Point. Miller's Point. Sorry. I'm no, it's out okay. of town, I'm getting very confused. Um, so you're an Aussie. I'm an Aussie, yes. But you do have a bit of a London twang okay. to your accent now. Um, how are you finding settling back into the Aussie ad industry? Yeah, pretty good, actually. Um I didn't intend to be away for so long. I packed my suitcase 19 and a half years ago thinking I'd be away for a couple of years. Don't worry, Mum, we'll be back in a couple of years and then sort of forgot to come back. Um, So Sydney is really interesting in a way and I think Australia is in the same boat as this. Nothing's changed and everything's changed all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So... It's been wonderful to come back. Everyone's been really welcoming. It's very um, relationship-based here, which is really great. And I've met some incredible talent, which has been really interesting for me because it's always about learning. And I'm loving it so far. And the weather has been pretty epic. Yeah, so well, it, with the blue skies have now turned a little bit grey behind you. but I know. You did say every time you <laughs> come here it rains. <laughs> Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. <laughs> so um, t- tell us a little bit about how um, how the return and specifically to, to Cleminger came about. I mean, um, we did speak about this on our podcast at the time as it's it's sort of a, a big transitional period for the group um, more widely. Yeah, I guess first of all, how did that come about? And second of all, why do you think that you're a good fit for each other? Yeah, interesting. Good question, actually. Um, so I met... I can't actually remember how. I met Robert Morgan, current chairman, about two years ago as a very speculative chat when I came back. I can't even remember. Maybe it was longer than that because it was probably pre-COVID. And we sort of kept in touch and there was nothing right here for me and I wasn't really sure if it was the right time to come back, etc. Obviously COVID hit. We all know that story. We won't talk about that. And then I met Les, who is the current CEO of the group, probably about a year ago. And, yeah, this came up. And Mm -hmm. I spoke to a lot of people in the industry about various roles. And I just found this to be the perfect challenge for me. I've spent my whole career in creative agencies up until running Digitas in the UK. So the last five years have been very digitally focused, which has been great. But I wanted to come back to brand and creative. And 
I, you know, I met everybody and I thought everybody was fantastic. And I met Jim, the current chief creative officer who I adore and it felt right. So, you know, you can only go on your intuition, I think, when you're looking for a new role. And so far it's been fantastic. And I hopefully think that they feel the same way. <laughs> was, 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 so I guess, um, you know, maybe before you arrived, the market was reading into your role at Digitas as maybe a suggestion of where Clemenger was, was looking to go. Is that is that not the case? Is it is it sort of sticking to those sort of more traditional capabilities or is it a, a bit of a hybrid there? Uh, I definitely think I will, and with the team, obviously, it's not me, but we will inject a bit more integration and capability into the agency, um, definitely, because, you know, what what I love about this business, and we had a, our first um, national company meeting last week, which was really interesting. We put a bit of a reel of our kind of historical work, and it is, you know, from Not Happy Jan to Meet Graham to Hunger Rhythm. It's an incredible body of work, probably some of the most famous advertising, and even broader than that, that Australia has ever created. Mm-hmm. And for me, great ideas transcend channels and I'm about, you know, helping us make incredible work and making our clients' brands famous and it shouldn't really matter whether that's a TV ad or anything else. And we've got some great, we've got some really, really good capability here but it's just not integrated in the right way and we're not using it in the right way and my job is to help the agency realise that. Yeah, so I, I guess the, the a second part to that would be the suggestion that you know, kind of moving in that more integrated direction, sort of maybe plays a little bit in the same direction that your sister agency Chep, or it's now called Chep Network. Um, how, how do you, I guess, do that while also continuing to differentiate the two agencies and sort of navigating that together? Yeah, well, Lee obviously joined last week, who is fantastic. And I think as two leaders of two very successful companies, we will navigate that together. Um, I think we complement each other in some respects, but are very different in other respects. And we just have to make sure that story is clear to ourselves and the market, which I think it is very much so. And I think there's room for both of us to do what we do and do it well. And you mentioned the, the the chat, I guess the initial chat that you had with um, Robert Morgan two years ago, was that always sort of the intention for, for him? Was it a case of he had signalled that that was the direction that he, I guess, wanted Clemens to go into and then, you know, it turned out to be a great fit for that? Uh, I think that it was actually even a step back from that. I think we just really liked each other and yeah. wanted to work, <laughs> find a way to work together for me to work with him and vice versa and you know he's great at spotting talent um so I think he felt very strongly about me and I felt very strongly about this group and this organization for me it's always important to feel at home somewhere and I instantly felt at home with him and everyone else I met so really he's been absolutely fantastic I mean I sort of feel like he's a bit of the godfather of advertising in 
Australia because it's just, you know, he must know everyone and he's kind of been there, done that, which yeah. is great for me coming back to I feel like, I've, you know, I'm kind of new again. But he's very much left it up to us yeah. to determine where we want to take the business and where we want to take the agency and the brand, which I think is a bit of a gift really from my perspective. Hey, come and look at this incredible business with this great, um, you know, body of work that has been produced over the last, I don't know, 70 years and determine where you want to take yeah. it is like a, that's a kind of, it's a gift of a brief. For me. Yeah. And, and, and you obviously mentioned Lee there. Um, it's, it's the first time that, the group has had these two agencies obviously helmed by female CEOs. Yeah, go um, us. Go you, yeah. Well, it's it, it has, I guess, it's historically been a bit of a talking point that um, I guess the, the, the group has been quite male-dominated. Yeah. Um, and it's been spoken about with both of your appointments and then the, the recent um, board appointments as well. Yeah. Very much a bit of a shift there. Um, can you talk about, I guess, whether or not that's been a conversation at all about how the group is perceived and then I guess more generally how the aim is for the group to be perceived now? Yeah, it's interesting. I I think both of our, our appointments, I can only really speak about mine, but I think we were the right people for the roles, mm. whether that's serendipitous that we're both female or however you want to articulate it, but... Looking across even before our appointments on the board, it was pretty balanced, actually. Mm. So I think we are just additions to that. So I think the group has been, probably been changing in the background without, you know, much publicity around that. My experience has been, fat, you know, brilliant in that respect. It seems very, I don't know, gender diverse, diverse more generally, actually. So I think modern businesses have to have a modern leadership. It's just the way it is now. I mean, we can't advertise to the Australian public through a lens of one yeah. type of person. That's just not realistic anymore. So it's pretty business critical that all organisations are balanced. And I think that we're very much heading in the right direction from our, you know, and I'm looking at my own business as well. We're we're pretty balanced executive leadership team, which is great. That is critical for me. And the whole DE and I strategy that, you know, we're implementing now is, you know, first and foremost, the most important thing that we will do in the next three to five years, I think. So you mentioned before you you had a um you had a, a session looking back on all the historical work um Clevenger BBDO has a as it would be fair to say a pretty enviable client list which I'm sure um is something very exciting for you coming in um what were some of those conversations like when when you arrived I guess you know arriving you kind of have to obviously reintegrate not only yourself into Australian society but into Australian culture which you know as 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 you would know working in advertising moves very quickly um, can you give us a bit of an insight into, you know, what those conversations were like on both sides with some of those clients? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think people here are keen to understand my experience from abroad because, you know, Australia is a fantastic region and country, but the great thing about Australians is we're always looking at, you know, what 
is happening elsewhere. We're innately curious in that way. So I've been able to speak to some of our marketeers and clients about my experience from the UK over the last 20 years, almost 20 years, and I've been able to get from them and learn from them about how they're operating, what their business challenges are, what our role to play in that is, and more broadly how we can strengthen those relationships. And they've all been really fantastic conversations. And I've got to say the talent of marketeers here has been, I've been incredibly impressed. Our clients are on it (laughs) and um, know their stuff. It's, It's amazing actually. And we've got some absolute incredible clients and they're kind of, yeah, pushing us and we're pushing them and it's relationships and it's great. It's really great, really positive. Was there anything that surprised you that came up in those conversations or maybe something that you thought, oh, I hadn't hadn't thought of that perspective or I hadn't even, you know, encountered an issue like that while working in the UK? Yeah, um, so that's a really good question. I mean, nothing specifically yet, but every client is so different regardless of where you are. So, you know, we've got an auto client with... COVID challenges on getting cars in the country mm-hmm. and sitting in um, customs for six months with bugs eating away at things yeah. and like things that I, again, I'd never really even contemplated would ever be an issue. And then, you know, other clients that have totally different supply chain issues of other things. And, you know, it's like, I remember when in the UK it was exactly the same. One of our clients was a big cereal manufacturer and, you know, I had no idea that Ukraine grew most of the wheat in Europe. And that happened kind of overnight. It was like, right, and it's like, wow. So every client's so unique and so specific. And that's why I think our industry is so interesting and, you know, strategy and creative and how we can help our clients solve some of their issues and help them grow is even more critical than I think it's ever been because yeah. of all of the market forces at play. So yeah, every yeah, I've learned loads, yeah. but not in the way that I probably would have thought. So yeah, very interesting. One thing that did surprise me though more broadly is how we just haven't sorted distribution here yet. You are very far behind in that way. You know, mm-hmm. in the UK and the US, it's Amazon next day, this, that, yeah. next day, you know, bang, bang, bang. And, you know, you're waiting weeks for things here. And I think when I was living in London, there was um, Amazon Prime would do same day same delivery day, yeah. for like a lot of their products, which I just find bonkers. I know Woolworths now do, in my area in Melbourne, they do same afternoon or within yeah. the hour or something delivery yeah uh but no i think you're right i mean maybe you know we're we're a pretty big country we as well. are definitely but i would have thought the main cities would have like sydney melbourne etc would have sorted some of those things out but you have to plan for things a bit yeah <laughs> a bit more <laughs> and that is a challenge i think from you know retail is such a dominating force in yeah. this country so um how they whoever cracks that first i think will be um you know yeah. A differentiator in the marketplace. It's, it's very interesting, I think. And then in, in terms of some of some of the work um, going forward, as you mentioned, Jim Curtis is now being CCO for, um, I'd say, 
three quarters of a year or yep. so, is that right? Um, you've been in the role for a good few months now and we're just starting to see some of that first bits of work filter out. Yep. Um, we spoke about the HCF work uh, a few weeks ago on the, the Mumbrella Cast campaign review, yep. um, which was very well praised. And then last week and the start of this week, we saw the, the, the new work of the first brand campaign with um, with Carlton Draft yep. in, in five years, both been um, highly praised in industry circles so far. Long um, live the keg, Callum, <laughs> long live the keg. I'm not much of a beer drinker oh, myself. I am. So. <laughs> I am. So I'm like, oh, my God, I've got beer quiet. I'm so happy. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, you, you, you sort of read through the, the comment sections on certain, certain avenues, and I think there are certain categories that people generally expe expect the work to be fun. Yeah. And I think beer is one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, you have this new leadership coming in and you've also got new leadership at Carlton United uh, Breweries yep. with um, Nicole, Nicole, yep. Nicole McMillan. McMillan. Was, that, was that a conversation where it was almost like a bit of a reset for the, for, for the I guess, the, the, the company and its, its sub-brands to kind of go, okay, we've got an opportunity to try something different here or maybe almost revert to some of the the old sort of tactics amongst something like beer advertising? Well, I think um, Nicole's perspective is, you know, their role is to be entertained, to entertain their customers and potential new customers. So it's beer. Yeah. We can't be too worthy. You know, we, for those that do drink it, love it. And, you know, it's about being with other people when you're drinking it, et cetera. So I think the unique challenge for Carlton Draft as well and Australia is, you know, the added um, issue is getting people back to the pubs post-COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, it is really the heart of the community and it should be the heart of the community. So it was fantastic to be able to bring that to life yeah. through, I guess, a evolution of the made-from-beer brand platform and have an incredible amount of fun along the way. It's, you know, people, everyone that I know that's seen it thinks it's great. It's a, just a great piece of advertising. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a brand like that that's had such big work over the last couple of decades, it was kind of the perfect time and the perfect moment to, you know, launch that. And yeah. I think we needed it. You know, some of the comments I read on some of the blogs, which I'm still getting my head around, mm -hmm. Um, you know, big advertising's back and things like that. It's great. You know, I think we all kind of needed it, to be honest. Yeah. Did the uh, the kind of royal aspect make you miss the UK at all? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, the UK is my home as much as Australia is my home. So I will miss it to some degree. Yeah. But I have to say it's not a great place to be right now. Yeah. So it's really nice to to be here amongst, you know, all of the things going on over there in the UK and in Europe. Australia feels like a really safe and wonderful, sunny place to be. So I, I guess, you know, this also kind of comes in the context of this this sort of um, bit of a transitional period for the agency, a few CEOs in a few years. Um, love to get your kind of thoughts on the creative output of the, the last few years yep. and, and I guess your assessment of it when when coming in yeah of the agency or yeah, in general the agency yeah yeah I think it's interesting because I 
remember going to Cannes last year and walking through the Palais and I thought for the first time, obviously this was the first Cannes for a while, but I've been going for about 10 years outside of that and I just thought the work was nowhere near as good as it's been many other years that I've had the same experience or walked through the the Palais or looked at the best work or whatever. Um, I think that's just been COVID and the industry and it all makes sense when you think about it. So I think we have had some really good work and some surprising work, actually, when I look at the real, especially last year. You mean at at Clemenger? At Clemenger, yeah. yeah. Um, But I think the industry as a whole, there's been a bit of a hole of, you know, amazing work, really. And I think we've done a really good job during that COVID period, but I feel like now we've been unleashed a bit. Yeah. And I think it feels, you can feel it in the agency. It feels buzzing and, you know, all the things that agencies should be. So I feel like this is kind of the, I don't know, (laughs) not the turning point because I think we're in a really good place, but I feel like there's going to be a bit of a resurgence for us. Yeah. And and what what do you think are the biggest contributors to that? Is it, is it, a matter of just confidence, being confident in taking, you know, your own ideas to your clients and some of those conversations that we spoke about? Yeah, I think it's pretty multifaceted. I think agencies live and die by their leadership. I mean, I've worked in some of them where the leadership, you could tell they were all pushing in the same direction. They all had the same ambition, etc. And I've worked in agencies where I knew that wasn't the case and I've been part of some of those teams. And some of those agencies don't exist anymore because yeah. of it. So I think that, you know, Jim and I have definitely got, I think, a great working relationship and I feel like we've got a great future together and that is a big, really big thing for any business, regardless of what you do, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think we have an incredible set of clients yeah. that trust us and want to do great work and think in the same way that we do and as I said push us and we push them and that's really what it's all about so we've got when I look at the pipeline of work coming out from us over the next really till the end of the year it's very very exciting yeah and you can feel that when creatives are working on you know briefs now you're working in creative development for a couple of months and then you've got production like it's a long process right so there's a spirit here that people are kind of in it and that is exactly what you want when you're running a business like this. You've kind of mentioned it there and a bit earlier, but um, what I guess in terms of what you're bringing to the business, what is your sort of creative vision or do you have like a theory or a way that you approach these things that you've sort of developed over the last two decades? Yeah, definitely. And we're kind of in the middle of, I guess, relaunching that for want of a better term, but you know, we want, Jim and I are very clear that, you know, we want to make work that matters. And I don't mean that in a worthy way. Like, I, you know, I think the worthy thing is done a bit. I think customers, consumers, they're not really looking for that anymore. Yeah. I think what they want is entertainment and what, you know, that's what I think we can give them and we want to make really famous effective work that's what Mm -hmm. we want to do and as i said we've got a great set of clients that want to do the same thing too so that helps happy days yeah absolutely (laughs)
Yeah, as a, it's a gift. You know, I've walked into a bit of a gift. I'm, I'm feel very lucky right now. Yeah, and then um, just a final point. Um, something we spoke about last week. Um, for listeners, me, I'm meeting you and I, not on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and now may, maybe some listeners might think that we're sort of banging this drum a little bit at the moment, but you mentioned that one thing that had been semi-surprising to you was the way that Australia's industry responds to its own work. Um, and that was a bit of a difference between the UK where it can potentially be a bit more supportive or constructive. Yeah. Um, how do you think Australia could be a little bit more constructive in its, its feedback maybe or do you think that's just, you know, the way we're, we're wired culturally? I don't think it is. Uh... I mean, I know we've got a bit of a tall poppy syndrome or whatever, but I've not ever experienced that. Like yeah. everyone I know has been really supportive or, you know, encouraging. So I find this, I don't know, you get work out and I feel really sorry for the creatives because they're worried about this blog thing where mm. people can go on anonymously and just rip their work apart. And I find that kind of disgusting really like why should a young creative team at the beginning of their career have that as a concern outside of what the press might think or their friends might think or their parents or their you know whatever their clients their peers to then have this sort of anonymous I don't know even I don't I don't know I've read some of it and I was just like wow this is bad you know so I feel like we should work out a way to change that. Mm. I don't know how and yeah. I don't know enough about it yet, but I don't think it's right and I don't think it's good for people and I think whoever are the few people doing that should probably take a long, hard look at themselves, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and if they're so cynical about the industry, maybe they should think about, think about doing something else, you know. <laughs> That's what I think. Well, Danny, it's been fantastic to join you here. Unfortunately, the, the clouds behind you are now uh, taking over the sky, but um, <laughs> it's not a reflection of this conversation. So, yeah, really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Callum. Appreciate it. That is all we have time for today. Thanks for listening to the Mumbrella Cast. Throw us a follow or subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast. And for more podcast content, we'll be back tomorrow on the evening mumbo feed thanks again to danny for joining us today and damo kalila thanks to you two for being here live and direct in the studio with me it's nice to be with you again carl and, and a and a psa for, for those who have landed on this podcast because they've been searching for the golden ear brx set of bookshelf speakers apologies but this had nothing to do with it is that a thing? That's actually a thing. Yeah, they're, they're very good bookshelf speakers. I digress, though. They are very good bookshelf speakers. All right. Well, we'll leave you with that nugget of information. Kato, uh, okay, <laughs> just want to get a word. <laughs> just giving us a very odd look at the moment. Thanks for having me. See you next week. Yeah.